When Texas Chainsaw Massacre first came out, the British Board of Film Classification refused to give it a certificate. James Furman later tried to, you know, find a way of certificating it, but he decided it was not certificatable because it embodied what he called the pornography of terror, okay? Mm. And also he thought it was uncuttable because no matter... In the first Texas Chainsaw, there is very little actual blood. The film is terrifying and unrelenting, but there is very little actual blood. There's the thing when the prick on the finger, that's it. I mean, you know, so it's an impossible movie to, to cut because you cut bits out of it, it doesn't make any difference. The film is overwhelmingly terrifying. And the BBFs, when video first started in the UK, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of the first films that was available on video before the Video Recordings Act. Stop, tell me if I'm losing you. No. When the Video Recordings Act came out, he refused to... It had been available in cinemas under a GLCX. So if you went to see it, you went to see it on a local council would play it. So I saw it at the Phoenix in East Finchley, for example. Does that mean Ken Livingston would be at every screening? Yes, that's right. He'd be there literally introducing every screening. So they wouldn't give it a video certificate. And, in fact, they got very, very antsy about anything that involved the word chainsaw. As a result of the notoriety... I'm not making this up. As a result of the notoriety of Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Piranha Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Nice. Yeah, became... Oh, no, it wasn't... It was That was Cannibals, wasn't it? It was Cannibals. It was Chainsaws and Cannibals. Chainsaws and Cannibals. Originally, Piranha Women was called Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre meant that things that had chainsaws, they didn't want chainsaws on the front cover of things because they thought... Of, but So Julian and I did a piece about chainsaws in the movies, like the chainsaw in Motel Hell which is a, you know, a big chainsaw duel in, in Motel Hell, which is kind of quite exciting. So Texas Chainsaw then spawned a whole bunch of sequels, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was made also by Toby Hooper, of which Kim Newman famously said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 appears to have been made by somebody who not only didn't make Texas Chainsaw, but hasn't actually seen Texas Chainsaw, which is a great line. And then there was Texas 3, in which John McNaughton, who made Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, was at one point attached to direct, and he said back then, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 is a film about people as meat. He said that's literally what it is. It is a film about people as meat. And he said, the phrase he used, he said they put in a revolving door in the MPAA to try and cut Texas 3 down to something that was releasable. Bunch of sequels later. We now get Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the sequel to the first film. Okay. That's how it's positioned anyway. So this is very much the way we do it nowadays. You know, it's like you pretend that all the sequels didn't, like the Halloween thing. So at the end of the first film, who was the only person who survived the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, I haven't seen it. Okay, Sally Hardesty. Oh, that's not... Is that a spoiler? No, she's she's one of the kind of final girls. So Sally Hardesty is a classic final girl. If you read Carol, Carol Clover's Men, Women and Chainsaws, Sally Hardesty is one of the kind of classic final girls. Okay. And what, what, what makes her a final girl? She's the final girl. She's, she's there at the end. So there's a whole trait in horror, particularly 70s exploitation, goes on into 80s, that, that there is the triumphant final girl, Jamie Lee Curtis in, uh, in Halloween. Right. Uh, Jay Hills is alive in I Spit on Your Grave. You know, this is the, this is the, okay. this is the big thing. Okay? So Sally Hardesty, the survivor, disappears off you know, in the truck. Ah! while Leatherface spins around and around and around with the chainsaw over the top of his face. So this now, 50 years later, a bunch of hipsters arrive in a remote Texan town which they are planning to open a restaurant and a salon and a comic book store. Obviously, they're not looked upon kindly by the locals who are still flying Confederate flags. Um, and if you've seen, you know, 2000 Maniacs, you know how this plays out. They, they're, you know, they're, you're, the, you're the wrong people in the right. If you've seen Deliverance, you know how this plays mm -hmm. out. So when they get there... 
they think that the place is empty because they think that they've bought everything, that they own everything. And then Alice Krieg appears as a woman who says, no, I, this, I'm still here. This, I still have the deeds to the house. I mean, this is all, the orphanage and this is where she looks after her boy. They say, we don't believe you have the deeds. You know, we have the deeds. And then she collapses. It's a bad thing, okay? It's a bad thing because you don't need a PhD in horror to figure out who the boy is that she's been looking after all this time. Or the fact that these unfortunate events with these outsiders coming in is going to cause him to want to, you know, start committing mayhem again. Mm -hmm. So on the plus side, um, the cast includes Elsie Fisher, who was brilliant in... Uh, remember Eighth Grade? Do you remember I, re I reviewed Eighth Grade? I said it was a really, really interesting film, the one that was directed by, um, by Bo Burnham. Do you remember this? Is this uh, ringing any bells at all? No. Okay, so Eighth Grade, which is a really, really great film by Bo Burnham, in which Elsie Fisher stars as the eighth grader who's, who you know, lives online and is having to overcome nervousness, and it's a brilliant film about Tina. So anyway, so she's in the cast. She's very good. The cast also includes, and forgive me, Alwyn, if, if I say your surname wrong, because I do this all the time, I think it's Alwyn Fuere, who was brilliant in The Survivalist and who here makes the very best of a callback role that frankly is pretty predictable and would be really not worth watching was it not for the fact that she's doing it because she's great this in when she's in the survivalist she's the way she says the word legumes is just genius anyway i think she's she's a really really fine actor the whole film is filled with knowing in inverted commas callbacks to the original like the open door slam killing of the first like the flailing car, you know, chainsaw in the car of the second. What it doesn't have, of course, is any of the terror or low-key build-up or, or feeling of dread that the original has. It has plenty of sort of scrungy splatter, very much in the mould of Texas Chainsaw 2, which is a terrible film. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I mean, when I first went over to America to stay with Tim Polka, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because it's illegal in, in the UK. Can we go to a video store and hire it? He went, yeah, sure. I don't why you want to. It's not any good. But please go. And we went and got Texas Chainsaw 2. I said, you want to watch it? No, I want to go to bed. I sat there and watched Texas 2. Rubbish. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of kind of splattery comedy rubbish. Mm -hmm. we, got um, a, we got a clip, don't forget. Oh, we got, of Texas? Yeah. No, we haven't. We got a clip of Kimmy. I didn't play it. No, I did play it. Have we got a, te have we got a clip of Texas? Yes. We've got a clip of Texas. Let's yes. hear a bit then. Here, 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 we here we go. Whatever happened to her? Is she still alive? She became a ranger here in Texas. She must have looked for that maniac for more than 30, 40 years. So she, she found him? He was wearing a mask. Not easy to locate someone if you don't know what they look like. Mm. Mm -hmm. And of course, the mask that he was wearing was a mask made of skin because Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw is... Well, the Ed Gein thing is interesting because what Toby Hooper said is that all the members of the family in Texas Chainsaw are all sides of the Ed Gein character. Ed Gein, the Wisconsin ghoul who inspired Norman Bates in Psycho and inspired the central character in Deranged, which is specifically based on the Ed Gein story, and of course inspired... Ed Gein in the movie Ed Gein and famously Toby Hooper said was I mean the funny thing about the beginning of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it says the events you're about to hear are true well they didn't take place in Texas it wasn't a massacre and it didn't involve a chainsaw other than that it's all right absolutely on the money the thing with this is it's got there's a scene on it this will probably be remembered best for a scene on a bus a scene of carnage on a bus of which two things to say about it firstly 
it's not as good as the bus scene in Nobody and it's not as good as the bus scene in Shang-Chi. So it's kind of quite far down the way. What about the bus scene in On the Buses? <laughs> it's as good as that. Right. And also there is... There's a thing which is that there's a gag about mobile phones and cancelling Leatherface, which, OK, I can see that being a gag, but the point is, once you've done that gag, everything else in the movie is just, oh, well, we've passed over into the realms of comedy because if you pull out a mobile phone whilst faced face with somebody chasing you with a chainsaw, the movie's just jumped the shark. Were there a shark to jump? Although the shark that this would be jumping is Sharknado as opposed to Jaws. And there's head cheese for the fans. I mean, if you played it at a horror festival, it would be like, okay, it's fine. You know, there's... Head cheese for the fans? Yeah. What does it, that mean? It means like there's a Fangoria, you know, centre spread that will, you know, there's... What, what's the Fangoria centre spread? Exploding Heads Monthly. There's, there's, oh, right. there's it's, on it's Grizzly, a Grizzly Grizzle. Yes, yes, except that none of the Grizzly... It's, there's no gristle to the grizzle. It's, nice. it's just head cheese. That's what it is. And, I mean, it's, I thought it was less annoying than Halloween Kills because it was slightly more fun. But it is, I mean, it's completely, it's on Netflix right. and it's, that's the place for it. It doesn't need to exist. I mean, n none of the Texas Chainsaw sequels need to exist. And, and, and again, it is the issue that whenever you start, it's like when Rennie Harlan did Exorcist the beginning and, you know, he kept saying, oh, well, it's like, you know, it lines up perfectly as a prequel to the exorcist. It doesn't. There are some films which the sequels aren't adding anything. The most remarkable thing about the Halloween, which you had Jamie Lee Curtis on the show for talk about, was that it actually was an interesting addition to the Halloween canon. Nobody has yet made an interesting addition to the Texas Chainsaw canon because Texas Chainsaw is one of those texts like The Exorcist when it is complete and of a piece and it doesn't need anything else. And this is so, I mean, you know, it's this, I, 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 I like a bit of scrunge.